And we're back once again. It is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos Game Source and Inside Sports. We're here to talk some hoops because it is that magical time again. Time for the NBA season. It is here. It is upon us. I'm so happy. I'm giddy. I've got all my Lakers uniform stuff out here. I'm probably sickening him to death because my NBA guru, the man in the know when it comes to the NBA, who's a diehard Clippers fan and probably laughing at me as we speak right before he comes on the air. It is my good friend, Anthony Barbarin. Anthony, welcome again to the 2018-2019 NBA preview show. Thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm psyched, my friend. Look at this. Got the Lakers hat, Lakers Lakers shirt, Lakers shorts going on, man. I'm telling you, it could be because that I finally, after many, many years of seeing the Clippers dominate the Lakers over this decade, that they finally have a chance to pay back in at least a little bit with LeBron coming to Los Angeles. I know that's the big thing around the NBA, and everybody's just all excited about that. But we're going to get into that here a little bit when we talk about the NBA teams as a whole. We're also going to discuss our picks for the most valuable player. I know Anthony has some very pointed thoughts. Also, as well, I'm going to chime in with my thoughts on it as well. But I'm telling you what, it all starts with the NBA. And we're going to go ahead and do things a little bit differently than a West Coast, East Coast, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. We're going to start off with describing our thoughts on the NBA teams here in general by going off of the win totals that have been posted by the Westgate Hotel here in Las Vegas. So we're going to start off with the team that is favored to win the most during the regular season, and that is the Golden State Warriors, the champs. They said the other day that they're going to try and win one more for Oakland before they go ahead and move there. They're nice, beautiful, awesome arena in downtown San Francisco. But their current status is 61 and a half wins. First off, my friend, what are your thoughts on the Golden State Warriors and over under on 61 and a half wins? I'm going to take the over. Not by a whole lot. I think they'll get to somewhere maybe around 65 wins. Uh, I think they moved into the realm of Saving yourself for the playoffs, it's it's kind of where where you see where LeBron used to be in Cleveland, where it's like, oh, they're only winning 48 games, they're only winning 50 games, where they should be dominating when you understand we're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to get one of the top two seeds. We don't have to stress ourselves out in the regular season. But they're so talented across the board, and their style of play just – I mean, the way they, they, they run up the score on you in the second half and, and the barrages that they get, they'll, they'll win 60-plus games. I think they'll get to 65. Are you concerned that their bench, at least at first glance, does not look as deep as it has been in recent years? Actually, it's been kind of whittling down for the past couple of years as far as the players that they can rely on consistently time after time after the death lineup and after the All-Stars and Andre Iguodala, maybe you can throw in Sean Livingston. And then after that, it just seems kind of hard right now to look for consistent players. Maybe Quinn Cook, maybe Jonas Derebko. But at, like I said, it, right now, it's getting a little bit harder for Golden State to continue supplying that bench with quality players due to the fact that they've got consistent cap holds with all the great players they have in their starting lineup. To me, unless they have 
a couple of significant injuries, uh, I, I don't really think it's going to matter. I think they have um, at least enough to go eight deep. And, and once that happens, it, it's, they just have too much. Even if their bench it disappoints a little bit, they have so much starter depth and starter talent that you can sprinkle two, three starters in with bench players just to continue to have you know that quality on the floor at all times. So I, I don't really see with that addition of Boogie Cousins and their lineup up up and down one through five to start. It, it's just too much talent, even if they don't have a great bench. DeMarcus Cousins now entering the fray, although he is not going to be able to be eligible for games until he comes back from a serious Achilles injury. What do you think he's going to be able to provide when he comes back, which is probably around projected to be February, January, February, or March, uh, most likely February or March, because of that serious injury, what do you think he's going to bring as far as a di- as a dynamic to the team? And and do you think it'll be able to create a situation where it's just going to be a no brainer once the playoffs come around? Well, what I think will happen is he probably won't come back till after the All Star game or around All Star time, and then I think it'll take him some time to get acclimated to the team. But I don't think they'll change their style of play for him. I think he'll have to fit in. I also think this is one of those years where he'll be on his best behavior in order to get that big contract going forward and for another team. But the first round, second round is where you're going to see them, in my opinion, start to work him in and be conscious of working him in. Because what have, what they, I think what they want to do with him is he presents an element that they haven't had in the past where if shots aren't falling or if teams figure out a way to slow them down on the perimeter, now you have somebody you can throw it, throw it to on the block, and there's no team that's going to be able to stop them on the perimeter and stop them with him um, if they if they go that route. So I, I think it's not to me. It's not going to be a straight out of the gate. Just oh, their their soul, their camaraderie as a team playing together is just off the charts. I think it'll take some time to work him in, but when they do, even if it's not you know see, it's not a seamless transition. What he provides in the playoffs as a half-court presence, I think, puts them over any other team in the league. I agree with you. At this point, you have to make them the heavy favorites. I think they're, with even DeMarcus Cousins or without him, they're still the number one choice to go all the way this year. I see the fact that it looks like with DeMarcus Cousins, the dynamic that he brings as far as not only he can score, rebound, block shots, but if healthy, he can also provide a, a unique skill set with his passing and be able to facilitate that ball and, and make things even easier for distribution if he's placed in the starting five with the other awesome four that they already have already. It looks like it's their title to lose once again. I know it's a broken record, but at least get used to it for at least one more year probably because as long as they stay healthy – you have to continue to make the Golden State Warriors the favorite. And I see them getting above 61.5 wins. I'm going to go over as well. Next on the list, we have the Boston Celtics. Their current win total at the Westgate in Las Vegas is 59.5. Your thoughts on the Boston Celtics? A very deep team. Do they have enough depth to fend off everyone in the Eastern Conference? Because you're also talking about Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward coming back from some serious injuries. I actually can see that. 
I would go over. I would go at 60 wins. Um, and it's, it, to me, it's not Kyrie. It's not Gordon Hayward. It's Brad Stevens. Um, I, I think he's one of the five best coaches in the entire league, and that's being generous to the other four. What he can do with the talent he's had, I mean, even when Kyrie went out, even when uh, Hayward was out last year, he took him to the Western Con- I mean, the Eastern Conference Finals. With those other two, I think they'll be able to pretty much continue what they were doing last year. Tatum's going to be better. Jalen Brown's going to be better. Rozier will be better. Marcus Smart is there. I just think they they have a lot of talent, but what he what he provides as from a coaching standpoint, sort of in a Greg Popovich type way, it's like you just really see his stamp on what they do, and he's he's the main reason. And they have much much talent. They have a lot of talent, but I think he is he's the head of the snake. And as long as he's there, they're gonna be a very very viable team in the Eastern Conference. And I think with LeBron gone, they are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I believe so as well. I think they're going to narrowly squeak out an Eastern Conference championship over the Toronto Raptors, but we'll get into them in a little bit here. Boston is a, a very, very deep at almost every position. The only thing that they need, obviously, is some uh, some front court help. I think they need someone at the center position to really anchor that defense of theirs. Al Horford I think he's more of a power forward. He gets into trouble when he tries to be become a center. Although in the day of small ball, he might actually be more prolific and more so than I, than I think he will be. I still think at some point in time they need a big man to take care of some certain situations. And I don't think Aaron Baines is going to be it. But I will say this. They're a very deep team. And the only thing that they really have to fight against, I think, from that will stop them from winning the Eastern Conference is themselves because they've got Terry Rozier, they've got Jason Tatum, they have also as well other players on that team that are just really, really good that want and fight, want to fight and want want to fight for time and want to be able to play and have a chance to be a part of, of what they were like last year when Kyrie and Gordon Hayward were both out and you had the rest of the team pick up the slack and almost sneak into the uh the, the NBA finals because of it they got they you know they took Cleveland to a seventh game it was it was really hard hard fought I think right now when you have players like Jason Tatum who I think is the best player on that team all apologies to Kyrie Irving I also think that uh, you know you have also Jalen Brown who's very underrated and who might get lost in the shuffle I think as compared to last year if everybody stays healthy you also have Terry Rozier, who really wants to go ahead and become a starting point guard in the league and I think is ready to do so. So you have a lot of players there that want the time, uh, that want the ball, and want the opportunity to go ahead and take whatever team, whether it's Boston or another team, to higher to a higher level. I think at some point in time, the, or, the organization is going to have to make hard decisions on committing to Gordon still, uh, Gordon Hayward still, or Kyrie Irving still. Instead, or, or either or, because the fact is, you're also going to have to worry about Jason Tatum's contract coming up at some point in time. Also, as well, you've got Jalen Brown, and also you have uh, Terry Rozier. Those individuals want more time, want a bigger piece of the pie, and eventually you're going to have to make a decision who you want to commit to. 
And right now, everything's going to be okay for this year. But going forward, it might get a little tricky and dicey. But those seeds, those seeds will be planted this year with the team. I have a feeling. But as long as they can be somewhat cohesive, I think they will be the Eastern Conference champions. Next up on the list, my friend. So actually, I oh, one more thing. Boston Celtics, I think, are going to win about 57, 58 games. So a slightly under on that. Slightly under. The Houston Rockets. Westgate currently it has them at 57 wins. Your thoughts on the new home for Carmelo Anthony, the Houston Rockets. Are they still as good as they were last year when they were just, what, 53-point misses away from going ahead and being into the finals? i tell you what, that's just that seventh game was just – there's just no excuse, my friend. I think you and I can make at least one out of those, what, 20-something straight uh, three-point misses. Yeah, yeah just, just, just was very disappointing that they lost on that note. That might be a little bit in their heads going forward, but I still think it's going to be a strong season for the Houston Rockets. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. I mean, I got them at about 50, anywhere from 55 to 58 wins. I, I'm going to go slightly under. I kind of want to go slightly over. I think I'll go at 58 just to give them the benefit of that doubt. Uh, the Carmelo thing, I've always thought he needed a player like a Chris Paul on his team to maximize his gifts. But I think at this point in his career where he's not in his prime, uh, he's not the focal point offensively. I don't know how well he meshes with other players. I I don't see him all of a sudden embracing the role this year that he wouldn't embrace just a year ago where he's not the number one option. He's not the second option. Might not even be the third option on nights when Gordon has it going. He's not a prolific three-point shooter. So he's not a great defensive player. I think he can be a better rebounder when he wants to be. I don't see how he makes their team better. I understand he's a better player than Trevor Ariza, but there's a difference between being an an overall better player and a better fit for a team. And I don't think that Carmelo is a better fit for that team. Now, if he's all of a sudden making, you know, 37, 38, 39% of his threes, then that's that's a different story. But I, I don't see that happening. And so f- because of that, I think you got slower. I think you got less athletic um, on the perimeter. And so I, I think that's going to cost them a significant amount of wins. So I, I'll go slightly over 57 at 58, but I don't I don't think they'll get close to the 65 games they won last year. I think they're going 55. I think there is going to be a drop-off during the regular season because I also think Harden and also Chris Paul are going to get some time off this year. Maybe it's not, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be because of injuries. I'm just saying they're going to be allowed some time off this year because they're going to get some rest. And they're going to see that there's going to be too hard during the regular season. They stay with the Golden State Warriors, and they're going to try to prepare themselves for the playoff run. You can also count on something at the trade deadline, pretty much, with Daryl Morey trying to get something to shore up the defensive side because Luke Mabahumute and also Trevor Ariza being gone from there is going to hurt them defensively. And I tell you what, that's going to sting more and more as the season goes on. So I think at this point in time, I'm saying 55 wins, but they still will probably add enough pieces to make themselves 
a very viable candidate to maybe surprise the Golden State Warriors come playoff time. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. All right, what we have next is the Toronto Raptors. I know I just said we were going to talk about them, and they're coming up right here next. Their projected win total currently at the Westgate Hotel is 55 and a half wins. So I ask you, my friend, Kawhi's in town, that incredible laugh and all. Tell me your thoughts. Did you hear that laugh, by the way? Yeah, I heard the laugh. Okay, okay. He's notorious for his uh, quirky laugh. Yeah. Uh, it was quirky is the nicest thing I've heard about it said about it in a long time. So the Toronto Raptors, people should not sleep on them. They're a quality team with a lot of great depth. And if Kawhi actually buys into what they're talking about and what they're dealing with at Toronto, I see actually a, a win total above 50, 55 and a half. I see them going 56, 57 games. I really think they're a quality team and they're going to be very much in the hunt in the Eastern Conference. I have them slightly under 50. I, I think they'll win 55. So that's why I'm taking under. I can see them winning 53. My thing, I think their their bench will be, you know, that much better with experience. And I think the, the consensus is that, you know, Kawhi is a better player than DeMar DeRozan. However, I think their skill sets are different. I think – that DeMar DeRozan is a better one-on-one offensive player. I think Kawhi can score. I think he's a great three. He's a good three-point shooter. He's an amazing defender, but he's not a guy with the ball in his hands and you go get his buckets. I think he, he benefits from pops motion system, getting people open, getting good quality shots. And I'm not sure he's going to get that as easily in Toronto where they're more concerned or, or more used to, you know, one guy going and the next guy going. And I know last year they tried to switch it up and they tried to, you know, get more passing and get more open shots. But you even saw it in the in the in the playoffs where they still they needed DeRozan to go one on one. They needed him to get shots. They needed him to get buckets. So that to me, I don't know if if you you got Kyle Lowry's a year older. Yeah, he is thirty three. So that's obviously an area of concern. That can he perform at a high level? For a point guard who's taken a lot of abuse over the years with some injury issues, you know, from previous years, will he be able to maintain that level of excellence and also be able to perform in the playoffs somewhere, a time where he's been lacking? The only time he's been lacking in his game is in, during the playoff season. Yeah, I agree. And so that, that again, that falls to if, if, if those trends, if that trend continues, then the pressure and the burden of offense falls onto Kawhi. So is Kawhi now going to go, give me the ball, I'm going to get you 40. I'm going to get you 45. 
or is he, you know, more suited to play in, in a system where he can get open shots and he can, you know, he can still play one-on-one. I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, begrudging him that I'm just saying it's not his game. That's not what he excels at where, in my opinion, that's what DeMar DeRozan excels at. So to me, if that happens, if that burden falls on him more, you know, even if Kyle Lowry goes down for, for a certain amount of time, um, how is that going to affect the team? So I, I, they won, I believe, 59 games last year. I think they'll be more around the 55, 53 mark. I think they'll be slightly above, like I said, around 57, 58. They'll be just behind Boston, I think, in the Eastern Conference. So look for them to be very competitive and come playoff time, they could be a force to reckon with, and they could match up very well with Boston in the Eastern Conference, especially if Kawhi is playing at a higher at a high level. Because if he is playing at his MVP-like level, he is going to be the best player on the floor against a Boston matchup, so look out for that. And all it will take is just some really good support from a suspect Toronto, which has never really been able to provide that in the playoffs. But this is different with Kawhi. They could actually rally themselves under Kawhi and be able to go ahead and fend, you know, be, pose a fierce challenge to Boston. But we'll have to wait and see. But I really think at this point in time that they're a slight over as far as their win total is concerned. Next up, we have a very intriguing team, the Philadelphia 76ers, who are currently at 54 wins projected at Westgate. Your thoughts on the 76ers? My friend, I love Joel Embiid. I think he's an outstanding player. I hope his health just continues to get better, and I, I do hope I get we get to see him as fans because and be privileged to see him because <clears throat> over the course of time because I just think there's going to be all-star after all-star after all-star for him. Ben Simmons is awesome. Would love to see a jump shot at some point in time develop from him. But the situation where they lost two great shooters – and Ilyasova and also Bellinelli, and you replace it now full time with a Markel Fultz, who I don't know. I guess the best way you can say it is suspect. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see a shooting contest between him and Lonzo Ball at this point in time, and find out who would win. Uh, my money would be on Lonzo Ball at this point in time because Markel Fultz has really struggled. He had his struggles in China so far, but they're going to continue to put him in there they're actually putting him in to start the season in the starting lineup ahead of sharpshooter jj reddick which i think is not the right plan to do your thoughts on the philadelphia 76ers i think they got less depth i don't think that's enough to really get them over the hump on 54 wins i see them closer to 48 to 50 and i think they are below this year for me as far as their win total is concerned i'm actually kind of high on Philadelphia this year. I, I think, I just think with another year, I mean, your your two main players were so young. For them to get that experience and how they failed against Boston in, in, crucial, in crucial moments, they were in all those games, most of those games, and it came down to the wire, and they lost at the end of the game, and they lost at the end of the game. And I think those kind of experiences – I think that those are where you learn how to win. You learn what you did wrong, and you learn how to win. I think with the with the return of Hayward and 
Irving, they're not going to be there with Boston. I think that'll put them ahead of uh, Philadelphia for sure. But I think Philadelphia, if they won 57 games, I wouldn't be surprised if the regular season, they're right there. Um, at playoff time, I don't think they, they have enough. Um, but the regular season, 55, 56 wins, I wouldn't be surprised. So I, I would go over – you said they were at 55? I, I would go over 54. 54, 54. 54. I would go over 54. All right. A brave man you are, especially with Joel Embiid's injury history. I just hope he stays healthy. And I also yeah, hope yeah. – uh, yeah, you're like – I see you already like yeah. – They're all – you know, they're healthy for most of the year. Yeah, I think Ben – I don't see a jump shot coming from Ben Simmons in the next three years. I think that'll be something he gets over the course of his career. Um, but – I think he'll be better than he was last year. I, I saw I saw glaring weaknesses in his game last year that other teams didn't exploit. I think there was something about him going to his right hand. He, he mostly stayed left. And so I think he'll be better for, you know, little things like that where he won't always go left. He'll go right sometimes. And, and you know, I think he'll gain better post-up game. I think the other things will come more than than just needing a jump shot. Um, he does need one, but I think there's other aspects of his game that he'll improve on before he gets to that point where the only thing left is a jump shot. I think he'll need to post up more if he cannot find that jump shot. I think he'll need to be able to distribute the ball from either a mid-post or a post-up format as opposed to trying to go ahead and, and be that distributor from the top of the key. Because as long as you're at the top of the key, you're going to have to back off of him and and just dare him to try and draw, dare him to try and shoot because it, it's, as soon as he puts the ball on the floor, it's you know, watch out that you know he's got such a big long frame that I tell you what he's very tough to stop once he gets going. But if you if you can try and challenge him to jump shots, that's going to really just change the dynamic because he's not there yet with his jump shot. And I think that's like you said, that's going to keep him from greatness. I think at this point in time, he's a very 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 good player. He's on the verge of greatness, but I think the only thing that will hold him back, it, you know, even Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd's a great example because he didn't have a jump shot and he did not become a great player until he had some semblance of a three-point shot to be able to add to his arsenal that would get po- opponents scared enough to go ahead and give him more opportunities to go ahead and decide what he wants to do with the ball. So Ben Simmons, I wish all the best for you. And Philadelphia, I think at this point in time, I see them around 48 to 50 wins, so slightly under for me. But I still think they're going to be a very good team. And if they make some moves during the – I know it's like a broken record. But if they make some moves at the uh, trade deadline, they can actually be very strong come playoff time and maybe fend off a Toronto or a Boston. I'm a little more positive on Markel Fultz. I think – I mean, he he missed most of the season, regardless of if he can shoot the ball. I think he can get to the basket. I think he can handle the ball. I think he presents another element off the bench where he pretty much didn't even play last year. So I think that's an additional player that's going to help their bench. If they make him a starter, they'll make him a starter. If it doesn't work, they'll move him to the bench. But he's another player on that team. If To me, if I'm the coach and he's not able to make a shot right now, I wouldn't put him in the starting lineup with Ben Simmons. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. But off the bench, I think he provides an element that they didn't have last year. So I, I think he he helps them. 
Next, we have everybody's sexy pick, and that is the Utah Jazz. Right now, they're at a flat 50 wins from the Westgate. Your thoughts on Utah? I've seen them as high as second in the Western Conference from various individuals out there. I think they're going to be very good. Their defense will be stifling. Donovan Mitchell still needs to continue to grow and become that all-star player that I think he can be. So with all those parameters together, it looks like it's going to be a great season for Utah, and I picked them for the over. I think they're going to end up being 52 to 55 wins. Yeah, I, I think they are one of those teams where it can go – honestly, it can go either way. I, I think they're a really good team, and they're really, really good defensively, and that's where they hang their hat is on the defensive end. Um, as long as Gobert's healthy, if Donovan Mitchell doesn't – you know, slide back a little bit, what they have. The thing is, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's defensively. Other than defensively, I don't see where they do it as far as not not to say that they don't do it or they won't do it. It's me watching. I don't see how they do it, yet they continue to do it. It's just offensively. After Donovan Mitchell, what who are you going to have that's going to consistently score yeah. the basket? Who do you have? Jay Crowder wasn't great for them last year. Is is Grayson Allen going to play a big role? Is is he good enough offensively to sneak into that second unit? Ricky Rubio is not much of a scorer, but he played really well with them last year. In my opinion, some team is going to slide out in that Western Conference. As much as I hate to admit it, the Lakers will make that jump, so somebody has to slide out. <laughs> and to me, the two teams that I see um, that have the most potential to fall out as, as good as Utah is, is Utah and Minnesota. So th- those, as much as I see, would not be shocked if they win 52, 53, 55 games. I wouldn't be surprised if they – and it wouldn't take much before they, they won 48 last year. If you slide to 46, you could, you could conceivably win 48 again in this conference and not make the playoffs. I think this conference is moving back to be with the addition of LeBron to be that deep. Um, to where 50 wins might not be enough. I would go uh, 50 wins for Utah this year. So you would go over or under? The total was 49. 50. 50. 50. Yeah, I would stay pat, I guess. If it was 50 and a half, I'd go under. So So. you're a push. Okay, so you're you're, okay. No money made off of Utah for you this year. (laughs) Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Inside Sports listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD5, that's P-O-D and the number 5 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. All right, next on the list, we've got Milwaukee Bucks at a 48 and a half win total from the Westgate. 
I'm in the next few picks. I just want to let you know, we have got a lot right around bunched up against each other. So there's going to be very close win totals. Once again, I have Anthony Barberin, our NBA expert and man in the know when it comes to the round ball. He's here talking with me on our 2018-2019 Pop Culture Cosmos NBA preview. The Milwaukee Bucks at 48 and a half. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he is really on the verge of doing some great things. Does he have enough support? It's always about that. He's been able to get by with a average at best jump shot. But it goes back to what we've talked about with Ben Simmons and what and and others. He's still able to score 30 points a game, close to it, with a so-so jump shot. To take that next step and become that MVP elite caliber player that I think a lot of people are expecting him to jump to, I think he's going to have to shoot at least 35% from the three-point range. Can he make that leap? And can he push the Milwaukee Bucks to that 48-and-a-half win total? Everything is going to have to, for me, run right for that team in order to reach 50 wins. I think they can do it, but he is going to have to play at such a high level that he's going to have to get some serious consideration for MVP. Yeah, I think uh, I'd go over. I, I, I really like this team. I think, I mean, last year where they struggled was on the road. You know, they were under 500 on the road, but they won – I mean, 25 games, I believe, on, um, at home. I think this year you don't get the midseason trade with Eric Bledsoe. You get the, the full-time Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton. You add Brooke Lopez. I think this year I, I have them at 50 wins. I, I think Giannis is only – and I was a Giannis skeptic early in his career. I saw the athleticism. I, I saw the length, the athleticism, but I wasn't sold on the skill. You you weren't sure like a lot of people that if he's going to put it all together, right? And and the one thing that bothered me more than anything was his ability to shoot. And I I don't ever think he'll be a great shooter, but I think he'll he'll be a capable shooter. And he's a capable scorer. You know, like you said, he can score thirty a game. Where he has to turn it around, in my opinion, even if his scoring drops defensively, I, I think he has the ability. He should, with his length, his athleticism, be an elite defensive player. If he can bring his game to being good or really good on a defensive end, night in and night out, I think they'll win 50 games. And I think that pushes him and his team into another level as far as being in contention in the Eastern Conference. I definitely agree with you on that. He has to be at an elite level defensively. There's no excuse with his athleticism, his length. He's 6'11", and he can guard 1-5. to five. And he is that rare player that can do it all if he chooses to and if he wants to. And it's just about shoring up those little things in his game that will help propel him to the top. Uh, and as far as the MVP voting is concerned, I think... At this point in time, it is going to be around 50 wins, maybe 49, but it's that still an over for me, and I think they're going to do very well this year in Milwaukee. Whether or not that's going to lead to a serious playoff run, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure you and I will go over back and forth on that, but at this point in time, I do see a strong season for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I do see them going over as well. The next thing we've got on the list is the Oklahoma City Thunder at 48 and a half wins. My friend, 
everybody is picking them to do much better now that they have Carmelo Anthony off the team. But I want to get to your thoughts and opinions on them because there's been some injury woes that they've suffered as of late. Russell Westbrook has already got knee issues and it's not even the start of the season yet. He is going to come back, but it's still going to be an issue going forward throughout the rest of the season. You also have Anthony Roberts, Anthony Roberson. He has gone down. His knee injury is still out. He's going to be out at least what I think another couple months or so. You've got some issues there. Your thoughts on the Oklahoma city thunder. I've got them right now at around, I'd say I'm going to say around 47 wins, 46. So I've got them slightly under your thoughts uh, just because of the fact that their health issues aside, I think will prevent them from, from winning 48 and a half games. Your thoughts on the Oklahoma city thunder 48 and a half wins. Do you think they're going to be an over because a lot of people are picking them as a way over because of the talent that they still have on the team. And the fact that Carmelo Anthony is no longer clogging up that locker room and making it such a volatile place. I do. I have them over. To me, they'll go. There's a <laughs> Russell Westbrook presents this this level of com- of competitiveness that to me propels the rest of his team. Some people don't like it because a lot of times it's him going, um, and sometimes it's so much that he does at times leave his teams leave his teammates behind. But um, I think with the addition of Dennis Schroeder, I think if he's out for a little bit in the beginning, I think they'll be able to withstand that. I think they'll still be able to win games. I think Paul George is a capable – I think he's a number two, but I think he's a capable number two. I think he's um, a fringe one number two. And I think he's proven even in Indiana that he can lead a team. So with Dennis Schroeder, who I think is a legitimate you know, point guard, I don't think he's a high-level starting point guard, but if he was a, to be your starting point guard on a team that's well-built, I don't think you'd have a problem with that. So I think for this team, the addition of Dennis Schroeder really helps curtail that Russell Westbrook um, injury. I don't think Russell Westbrook, uh, in my opinion, he, he's like Adrian Peterson. Yeah, he's injured. I don't think it will affect him as far as what, he, what he'll be athletically and physically when he is back. I think he'll still be explosive. I think he'll still be fast and hard-nosed. I think his athleticism, he's one of those guys where I don't think that'll sap his athleticism. I think he'll still be Russell Westbrook when he comes back. So I have Oklahoma City going over. That's some great thoughts. Again, from Anthony Barberin, our NBA man in the know. If you have any questions for us here at Inside Sports, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source, feel free to email us popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well my friend next up on the list after that 48 and a half wins to- win total for the oklahoma city thunder is the indiana pacers at a flat 48 your thoughts on the indiana pacers I have them slightly over because I think they really added a lot of depth in their bench area, adding Tyreek Evans, McDermott to go ahead with a more seasoned, as you were talking about with other teams, group of players that that are now played a year together and it really looks solid. I think they're going to push towards a 49-win-50 type campaign. I think that they'll go above the 48-win total. 
plus a, a hopefully now that he just got paid, Miles Turner will also perform at a level that I think he's capable of. Your thoughts on the Indiana Pacers? Their win total is 48. Looks like it's a really solid number as far as that's concerned, leading from their really strong playoff performance against Cleveland, which I think they should have won that that round with from them. Your thoughts on the Indiana Pacers? Do you think they're going to go above the win total of 48 games? I have them slightly above at 49. Again, they're bringing back the same people they had last year um, in the starting lineup. Tyreek Evans, uh, Doug McDermott. I think Sabonis will be better um, for another year. And and playing together, like, and, and I agree with the Miles Turner thing. I think shoring him up, getting him paid, I think he may he just sign $80 million, uh, four years, $80 million. I don't think his ceiling is a whole lot higher, but I think it's higher than what he's been. Um, I think he can easily be a 2010 guy. And I think he can – I think the Pacers can go through him a little more offensively, but I think he can raise his level of play. I actually think he will. Um, I don't know if he'll jump to where he should be, but I think he'll be at, at least marginally better than what he was last year, and I think that helps. I'm having my 49 wins. Uh, that's like I said, I think that's right where I have them too, so slightly above on that factor as well. Next up on the list, we've got, here it comes, my friend, the Los Angeles Lakers, which are projected to be 13 games better than they were last season at 48. Your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers? Obviously, LeBron being there is going to be a big factor that weighs into that. And all the other, I guess, pieces that they added, are they going to be the right fit? What I've said before when I was on a uh, another pre- NBA preview show is this. That ultimately, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to develop over the next couple of years. Their development is based off of the four young kids that they currently have now in Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, and Lonzo Ball. Their development is key, and how fast and how well they develop is going to determine exactly how good the Los Angeles Lakers can be in the short or the long term. I think uh, right now at 48 wins, according to the Westgate, puts them in the fifth position. And I think in the Western Conference, and I think that that's just about where they're going to be, 48 wins. So I'm going to have to put a push on that, and I say 48 wins right on the dot for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not expecting them to be much higher, and I'm not expecting them to be much lower. I don't think they're going to be in the top four seeds. I think fifth is a good spot for the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference. You know, uh, as a Clipper fan, Laker hater. I know. I'm telling you, because it, uh, you're really, it's really hard for you to do this, my friend. I know. I, know. I, I think that's low. I, I'm over. I'm at 51, 52 wins. I think LeBron. Just it's what he does. He takes teams, um, and he puts them at a level far above what they have been. I think he they won 35 games last year. I think they could have won more. You know, you, you had Lonzo Ball go out for a while. You had Ingram miss a, much, uh, a lot of time. I think Ingram is, is going to be probably a 20-point-a-game scorer this year. LeBron will get him easier shots. Ronda will get him easier shots. Lonzo will get him – he'll, he'll get wide-open shots. The game will come very easy to him this year. And LeBron is is what he'll do with that team, and and yeah, it, it'll probably take some time before they mesh as a team. 
but he'll hit they'll hit a stride. They'll hit a stride where they'll win games. I think they'll win 50, 50 plus. You have them at 50, 50 plus? I have them at 50 plus. I have them, yeah, I have them over to 48. And I'm telling you, folks out there, if you actually could see Anthony right now, him gritting his teeth as he actually said that, being the Clippers fan that he is, it was really hard for him to say that. I, I give you the highest of compliments for actually you know, gutting through that, my friend. I'll tell you what, I hope you're right and I'm wrong when it comes to the Lakers this season. I just think that there's too much to overcome to make it that magical right away. Everything will have to fall in place to get over 50 wins. But like you said, you never know. LeBron's on the team, so anything is bound to happen. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Coming up next on the list, we've got after the Los Angeles Lakers at 48 wins is the Denver Nuggets at 47 and a half. This has been everybody's go-to pick for a surprise team in the Western Conference this year. They look really stacked with some young talent that just barely missed the playoffs because they lost in overtime in that final game to Minnesota. Your thoughts on the Denver Nuggets. Jokic looks really good. I think he's going to be a really strong player, can really do it all inside, outside, passing, rebounding, the whole nine yards. As long as he's got a healthy contingent to go with him, I see them at above 47 and a half wins. I picked them on the over on that. I think they're going to be a really good team this year. Yeah, I, I think uh, Millsap will be back for the whole season, um, presumably. Isaiah Thomas off the bench. They drafted Michael Porter. He probably won't play this year. But like you said, they won 46 games last year. I love Gary Harris. I love Jokic. I think this team will win 50 games. Um, I don't see them as a surprise for me because they were good last year. The thing is with them, it's got to be like you were talking about with Milwaukee that had real problems on the road, I think you said. Yeah. Yeah. Their problem is outside of their own arena because you know they have that built-in advantage at home being so far up as far as the altitude is concerned. And a lot of teams that come in there, especially if they like play in LA, you know, if they play the Clippers, the Lakers, they, there's that dreaded, even with the Lakers and Clippers, there's that dreaded flight from LA to Denver and playing the next night on a back-to-back. That always kills the other team that's playing the Denver Nuggets. They have a built-in home court advantage that provides them a big-time winning percentage. The only thing that stops them is playing on the road. If they play more consistent on the road, I see 50 wins as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, again, another year older. When you have young players, that experience is is, is 
it can't be understated. That experience teaches you a, a, a lot about the game. And if you, a lot of people, if you never played the game, don't understand how much mentally it goes into playing. It's not just athleticism, it's not just talent. There's a mental aspect of the game, which is why a lot of veterans who have lost their athleticism and their ability to really do spectacular things stick around for so long. It, it, it comes with experience. And I think with more experience, those young players grow. And um, I think that that's one of the things that will happen with Denver. Even if it's three more wins on the road, four more wins on the road, five more wins on the road, that, that kind of thing makes a huge difference. So I, I think they'll, they'll push 50 wins. And mark this down now, everyone. If Michael Porter Jr. has the type of back recovery that we've seen from Joel Embiid, I think he's going to be a good player in about three, maybe two, three years. You think three, four years? Yeah, I, I don't. If if his back recovery, if he recovers fully from his back, I, I don't even think it'll take that long before he's a player that you want to see play. Um, I think year two, you know, three, he'll he'll be somebody that is a really, really, really good player in the league. I agree with you. I think he's going to be really strong. Just got to get rid of those back issues going forward because it it can really uh, bog you down. Just ask Steve Nash. Just ask Joel Embiid. Yeah, Tracy McGrady is another one. There you go. You can't support your body, and and uh, it it really. I think I honestly think it's um is almost or right there with a with a severe knee injury, and even in today, I think it might be more daunting than than a knee injury. I agree with you because it stays with you. It stays with you for a long time. Next on the list is the Washington Wizards at a flat 46 wins projected from the Westgate in Las Vegas. Your thoughts on the Washington Wizards? You know, I don't know. I'll tell you, my friend, everybody's talking a lot of good things coming up for the Washington Wizards because the savior's there and his name is Dwight Howard. Although oh. I hear you, I hear you laughing when I say that. So I was kind of being facetious, but <laughs> but if he could still give you a seventeen and twelve like he did last year at Charlotte and not blow up the entire locker room with chaos like he's been known to do, uh, I'll tell you right now, I see okay things for Washington. Will they ever get to the point where they they were supposed to be? I think a year or two ago when we thought they were real favorites, I thought they were going to be really strong last year, and they kind of disappointed to me. They, they kind of disappointed me. I'm not going to get bit by them again. I put them at just under around 45 wins, although I wouldn't be surprised if they go a lot higher and they just do it to show me up and just tell me, you know what? We yeah. didn't do it last year. We're going to do it this year because we now have Dwight Howard. I, I have them at about 48 wins. To me, but even before they got Dwight Howard, I think the Austin Rivers trade was huge for them because – it gives them a combo guard that can play both guard positions where I felt like last year they didn't have that. They didn't have a guy who you can come off the bench um, when John Wall's out of the game or, you know, I felt like when either one of them was out of the game, it, it was, they, they really lacked in bringing somebody off the bench. I think he'll play a huge role on that team. I think he's, he's good for them defensively. Um, he can score, he can handle the ball. And, and again, he can he can play either one of those positions. I think he he's one of my favorites in the six man of the year race. I think he'll be in there. I don't I don't know if he'll win it. I doubt he'll win it, but I think he'll be in the conversation um, for most of the year. I think that's a big addition, uh, one of the biggest additions. And I think Dwight Howard is a big addition for them because 
as, as maligned as he's been throughout his career, he's done two things very consistently, protected the rim and rebounded. He's, he's not gotten a lot of shots since, I mean, since he went to the Lakers. His, his shots have steadily declined. He's getting seven, eight shots a game. And to still be able to give you, you know, 16, 17 points to give you be top four or five in the league and rebounding and still be able to protect the rim. I think he offers something that because of where everybody expected him to be gets overlooked. But again, yeah, yeah, he the, the locker room thing can happen. I think if, if, if that's not an issue, then I think there's to me, there's never been anything wrong with his game outside of the expectations for what they wanted him to be. Well, like I said, I just because I think they're going to spite me, they might do better. But I, at this point, I'm going to still go lower just by a couple games. Because at this some point in time, they're going to have to, and I mean the backcourt of Beal and Wall and Otto Porter Jr., they're actually going to have to get together and produce something very strong like they did two, three years ago in order to go ahead and be the team I think that they should be in the playoffs and also going forward during the season. If not, I think it's time to break them up. I think if they don't do well this year, it's time to break them up. Another team that, well, actually, it kind of surprised me that they're thought of this low is the New Orleans Pelicans at 45 and a half wins. Coming off that strong playoff performance and that sweep of the Portland Trailblazers. Your thoughts on New Orleans, my friend? Is it the Rondo factor that people are kind of down on New Orleans? I kind of picked them higher because I think Anthony Davis is going to play at an MVP-like level. He's going to hopefully stay healthy the entire year, and that will mean great things for New Orleans as they get close to 50 wins. New Orleans is one of the harder teams for me to judge. Without DeMarcus Cousins, I think they play faster. I think they move the ball better. But when you lose Rondo, it does more than just – uh, take away a point guard. It also moves, <clears throat> excuse me, Drew Holiday back to the point guard position where he seemed like he excelled playing the two last year. Playing off ball, less burden was on him. He could he could focus more defensively. He could score the basketball, and I think this puts them puts him back at the point guard position where he's he's never been bad. Most of the thing with him has been his health. But I felt like last year he played at a level that he hadn't he hadn't reached playing the point guard position. And I don't think Alfred Payton is that guy. I love the Julius Randle pickup. Um, I think that that's really going to benefit them because I think he running up and down the court can really benefit in that, in that, from that style of play. Um, but it, it's the wing positions that bother me. I mean, you, you are, are you going to go with Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill as your guys? Uh you know, Miritich is there. Can Miritich fit, you know, a bit better than he did last year? So I, I, I they they also, um, I believe, just traded Alexa Jensa to the Clippers for Wesley Johnson, which if he's going to start at the three, I think is is better than what they've had. So to me, they're, they're a flip of the coin. 45 wins seems to me about right, but if – Somehow, you know, they, they can keep, they can, you know, withstand that Rajon Rondo move. Then I think they can push 50 wins. But I, I would, I would go with slightly over at maybe 47. You hit it right on the head, man, with a New Orleans Pelicans team that's going to be really tough to figure out because, like you said, they lost Rondo. 
And again, they have to have a full season of health and dominance from Anthony Davis in order to survive. If he gets hurt, all bets are off, and they could really be a, a, a really bad team going forward. But if he stays healthy, look out for New Orleans, especially if Anthony Davis gets some help. Right. Another team that's on the list here next is the Miami Heat. And no, I'm not taking my talents to South Beach, but the Westgate is actually, when they're talking about 43 and a half wins, is this a little bit premature thinking that a certain butler might actually be, uh, a certain butler might actually go to South Beach and taking his talents there? Because I think that's a little high based on the team that they have. And 43 and a half wins is not something I think they're going to be able to achieve unless they get Mr. Butler, Mr. Jimmy Butler from the Minnesota in a trade. If not, I think it's going to be just, they've got a whole bunch of average at best players. And I think none of them really stand out as a top player. And in this league, you've got to have someone that's going to dominate the ball at the end of games. That's going to want the ball and be able to take and make those shots at the end of games. I don't think Miami has that. And I think because of that, I see them as an under on 43 and a half wins. But then again, all bets are off if Jimmy Butler ends up going and taking his talents to South Beach. Miami is another one of those teams I don't understand. They boggle my mind. They seem to win games with, like you said, subpar talent, uh, average talent. I mean, they won 44 games last year. How they won 44 games, I don't understand. Smoke and mirrors, my friend. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and and but it's it's consistent. I mean, they they continue to do this um, outside of you know a couple outliers. They've they've won you know forty games. They've snuck into the playoffs. They've been right on the cusp of the playoffs. And I don't think they have this overwhelming abundance of talent. If they get Jimmy Butler, I think that's another thing. This is Dwayne Wade's last run, so I, I think that'll have something to do with it. They. The thing about them is with some of these other teams coming up, who replaces them? Um, I don't think Cleveland makes the playoffs. So for me, I think they probably push 43 wins to continue to, and to stay where they were last year. I don't think they've gotten much better, but I don't think they've gotten much worse. But you would say it's slightly under because they're 43 and a half, and you say 43 wins would be a slight under. Yeah, I, I mean – I would push. I would push 43 and a half. If they went 44, 43, I think they'll be right there. So I would give it a push. I don't, actually, I'll go slightly over just to, you know, give a decision. Winning that half game is hard unless you're in hockey or soccer. Yeah. Right. Or actually in the NFL because they they early in the season, they decide to, you know, really like ties and whatnot. But anyways, my friend, yeah, slightly over on that. I say it's under. I think those are still good reasons and valid reasons why on your part. But – as an exceedingly average team on the roster, when you look at it, I, I just think at some point in time, other teams are going to take advantage of that and be able to go ahead and, and poke some holes in it unless they get Jimmy Butler. And if they do, then uh, I agree with you 100% on going over. The only thing for me is I don't see what team passes them. I think Charlotte doesn't get any better. You know, is it Brooklyn? Is it New York? I mean, Detroit, I think Detroit probably takes Cleveland's spot in their playoff run. But other than that, I don't really see any teams to push them to where they're really losing. I don't think it's a great – they're a great team or a really good team. I just think it's a lack of 
talent down the end of the Eastern Conference to push them, you know, away from those 44 wins. Watch out for those Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We'll be talking about them much later in the program. Let's just give you a hint on that <laughs> as far as their record is, is to be believed. But I will say this, the next team next team on the list is the San Antonio Spurs San Antonio Spurs at 42 and a half games right now currently at the Westgate. When DeMar DeRozan came over in the Kawhi Leonard trade, you were thinking, okay, they still have a solid guard there, an all-star guard that is going to be aligned with LaMarcus Aldridge. That on the surface seemed to be fine. They've got DeJounte Murray, a a burgeoning young talent, and and thought, you know what? They're going to put up and make enough 20-footers that is going to nauseate everyone out there that's going to want them to shoot threes. But you know what? They're going to make enough 20-footers, and Greg Popovich is going to somehow skillfully maneuver them to another playoff run. Something happened along the way, though, however, in, in that DeJounte Murray got injured, Actually, also another injury as well to their uh, rookie and also, I believe, a second-year player. Both James White and Lonnie Walker the fourth all have injuries. That's a lot of guards in your rotation that are hurt and are going to be hurt for a long time. I think it's going to impact them more than people think. I see them right now going below at about 38, 39 wins for San Antonio and really making – uh, uh, Greg Popovich's uh, beard just really that much longer and it was from stroking it so much because he's going to be so uh, frustrated at all the injuries and all the 20-footers that should be three-pointers going up instead. I got him over. <laughs> it, it, it's the same thing for me as as the Boston Celtics thing. It, it's, it's Greg Popovich. They got Bellinelli back. I think they'll be able to skate by with Patty Mills playing the point they really wanted to start DeJounte Murray and give him that opportunity and, and run with him that's why they let Tony Parker go uh but I think they have enough talent with LaMarcus Aldridge DeMar DeRozan not high on Rudy Gay but I think he does provide something Patty Mills I think will be the guy who can knock down some threes so will uh, Bellinelli this and that Jakob Pertl um will he step in will he provide something is Paul Gasol finally hitting that point where, you know, he's done. I think they have enough, though, to get more than four. I think they'll win 47 games the way they always do. I just think Greg Popovich provides something that most other teams don't have, which is a a mind for the game. And I think, you know, there was a lot of uh, turmoil with the Kawhi Leonard thing last year, and I think they will have gotten away from that and back to focusing simply on basketball. And I, I think DeMar DeRozan is good enough to get you some wins. So I, I think they'll be at 40, about 47 wins. That wouldn't surprise me, given the fact that Greg Popovich is such a great coach, one of the best all time. That wouldn't be on the realm to surprise me. But I think at some point in time, San Antonio has to show up, has to show some cracks and, and, and some uh, flaws in their armor, so to speak. And I think now is that time. Unfortunately, that I think San Antonio will find a little bit harder to get into the playoffs because they've been in it so many consecutive years. I think this might be, this might be the year that their run stops. I think they're just going to be just out of the playoff picture and just missing it by a hair. 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Next up on the list, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves. Speaking of turmoil, you've got the Minnesota Timberwolves, a.k.a. Drama Central right now in the NBA. And we thought it would have been with the Lakers already, but nope. It's in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler screaming at everybody that he can scream on to at practice. You've got Anthony Wiggins and his family members arguing at Jimmy Butler over Twitter and over the, you know uh, just any social media outlet they can. And then you've got Carl Anthony Towns just signed a fat payday, but at this point, is he going to be able to develop that talent and be worth it long term? Because there's, you know, they're going to commit to him long term and and try and move Jimmy Butler at some point. Your thoughts on the drama going on in Minnesota? I see them as an under at below the forty two and uh, the forty two wins that they're projected on doing at the from the Westgate. I see them below it. I think the drama is going to be too much and it's going to affect them at least in the early part of the 2018-2019 NBA season. I don't think they can get past it. I tend to be one of the few who side with Jimmy Butler for that team to have that much talent and cannot win without him, um, which they've shown. When he went out last year, they couldn't win games with all that talent, with Wiggins, Tyus Jones, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. You had all these players and you couldn't win games. So when Jimmy Butler came back, there has to be something to that. To have that kind of talent and not be able to win games, there has to be something to that. And so he, being a player on that team, can see what most of everybody else can't see because we're on the outside looking in and he's there. So my thing is, if he's calling you out, there's one of there's either one of two things that are going to happen. Either you're you're going to whine about it, you're going to get in your feelings about it, or you're going to realize that there's something to what he's saying and step and step up. And I don't think they will. I don't think that these guys are going to step up. I think they're going to soak about it. I think they're going to brood about it. And I think they'll they'll shrink because of it. And I think they'll end up moving Jimmy Butler. And I also think Tom Thibodeau is gone after the end of the season. I absolutely do, too. I think even if they move Jimmy Butler, I don't see them being able to win games. Like, there's nothing that shows me. If they moved him before, I think, the season starts Wednesday, if they moved him, what have they shown to make you think even Jimmy Butler being gone is going to make help them win games? Even if they got – he's like, who are they going to get back for him that is going to make – either Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins, the leader, it, that's going to put them into the playoffs, that's going to you know take that franchise by the collar and lead them where they're supposed to go. I don't, I don't see that. So to me, the turmoil stops them from being good with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler being gone, if they do trade him, stops them from being good because he's gone. So I don't see either way them being good. So I go under. Fair enough. Drama Central is there and I'm glad to see continuing because it's kind of juicy every now and then to see something outside of Los Angeles Lakers area and the Staples Center have more of the spotlight on it when it comes to drama. 
Although, give the Lakers half a chance. If it does go sideways in Lakerland, that will probably become even more juicy there in LA. I'll tell you that for sure, because you have Rondo, you have McGee, you have LeBron, you have all those personalities that are there. Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley. I mean, it's just like that. It's, it's, it's Something's like on the surface. Everything's kumbaya right now, but you just can tell just something on the surface. I mean, uh, Beasley and, and uh, Stevenson are already trying to punch people out there, you know, during exhibition games. So it's just, it's just brewing on the surface, but yeah, right now it's still in Minnesota as far as the drama is concerned. Next thing we have on the plate is Portland trailblazers at 42 wins. Your thoughts on them. I tell you what, people are really down on them ever since being swept at the hands of new Orleans. They also followed up with a summer of relative inactivity. Just didn't really add any pieces that really helped them out. But you still have one of the best backcourts in basketball in C.J. McCollum and also as well Damian Lillard. Do you think the loss of Ed Davis to the Brooklyn Nets is going to be something that's really going to affect them in the locker room and maybe off the bench to the point where less than 42 wins is going to happen? Because I think at this point in time, I'm still going to pick them slightly over. I still think 43-44 wins is, is in the cards for them. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do go a little bit at hard times and go under 40 wins. But at this point, I'm still out of respect to them and that great backcourt that they have are going to pick them over at 43, 44 wins because I think they have a distinct home court advantage as well. I'm going to go over 42 wins. Um, he doesn't get the credit. Damian Lillard wins games. I mean, I don't think they have enough when they reach the playoffs, but regular season, he wins games. They have one of the better scoring backcourts with him and C.J. McCollum. Um, if Yusuf Nurkic could become what he was, even get back to what he was when they traded for him, and he played, you know, uh, I think less than half the season with them, but what he provided, if he can get back to that, I think that it'll push them a little bit higher. Let me ask you this. If they only reach the 42-win plateau or go under – do you see the breakup of that backcourt in in a short amount of in a short amount of time? Yes, I'm not even sure that they last the season. Regardless, I, I think if a good enough offer presents itself, I don't think they move off Damian Lillard, but CJ McCollum, I can definitely see them moving him because you know they are a small backcourt. They lack on the wings. Mo Harkless is a, is, a, is a solid player, but he's not anything where you say, oh, we, you know, we have this spot solidify. Um, you can always use help at the, excuse me, at the power forward. I think the move of Ed Davis is Zach Collins, I think will give him more time this year. He was a top 10 pick last year, first round. I think they like some of the things that he could do athletically. And so I, I think, you know, he'll get a, a significantly more playing time this year. You know, Seth Curry is there. If, if he's back, if he's healthy, um, he can provide some some scoring, some shooting off the bench. I've always liked him as a player. I understand who his brother is, but as a player, if he was not named Seth Curry, I still think he would be a very good player and someone to watch out for because he does have a great game. Right, I agree. Um, they drafted uh, Gary Trent Jr., who's a shooter. So I, I think they are still in a position to be who they've been. The question, you know, one that you presented is, mentally is that sweep going to bother them is it going to get in their heads i don't think it will but i i think 
they're good enough to win more than 42 games. They're ex- offensively explosive enough to win 40-plus games. They have two elite scorers in the backcourt. I think that there's a possibility that they do move off of uh, McCullum if a good enough trade presents itself. But I would I would go over 42 wins for Portland. Like I said, for me, it's a close call, but I put them slightly over just because they are so good at home. I think it's almost as good of a home advantage as you see in Denver because it just they at the Rose Garden they just seem to do so well there, as well especially against the Lakers over the course of time. I they just never seem to buy a win there. And the next team we have on the list is the Detroit Pistons. And no, I'm not going to shout Detroit basketball, but I will tell you that. Westgate has them in line for 38 and a half wins. Your thoughts on them? Because I think they should be a better team than they have been. I think they should have been a better team last year. I think when they were uh, in that first round with Cleveland, everything was on a high. They were improving, but suddenly went off the rails. Stan Van Gundy's out and they've got a new coach in there. Obviously that coach, is the reigning coach of the year and why he is still not coaching Toronto is still beyond me. But I will say this with Dwayne Casey there, my friend, I think things are looking better and I've got them above 38 and a half wins. And I know you mentioned them earlier as really doing well this year and you think they're going to be getting an Eastern conference playoff spot. So your thoughts on how good Detroit basketball can really be this year in the NBA. Yeah, I I see them above 39. I mean, they won 39 last year, so I I, I don't think 38 wins is, is kind of fair uh, assessment of them. I think you're getting Reggie Jackson back. Um, he missed a lot of last year, which I think cost them a lot of wins. I see can, them about 44, personally. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I wasn't going to go that high, but I even 44, I wouldn't be surprised. I had them more at maybe 42 wins. But, you know, with Dwayne Casey, I, I think where they really lack is the bench. I don't I don't love their bench. I like Ish Smith, um, but there's not really a lot there, especially as far as uh, putting the ball in the basket. But I, I like Reggie Jackson there. You know, I think with a full training camp with Drummond and Blake and Reggie together, I think that they can be a legitimate team and, and win some games. I don't think 38 wins. I, I don't – my problem with 38 wins with Detroit is is the rest of the competition in that at the bottom end of that conference. I don't see other teams being able to do much to stop the teams that are currently there from staying where they are. So I, I, I have I have Detroit over 38 wins. I believe so as well. I just think, like I said, it, there's just too much talent there with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, one of the best front courts in the NBA. Very good rebounding. I don't know how you're going to get some offensive rebounds there because those two are just really good, especially Drummond on the boards. If Blake Griffin can show that he's going to be the player that he once was with the Clippers in his heyday when he was, uh, I think Chris Paul was injured and he was doing a lot himself to facilitate that ball, getting a lot of assists, things of that nature. If he can actually perform at anywhere near that level, I see great things in Detroit as far as a lot of improvement over the 38 win projected total that they have right now. Next on the list, we've got oh, 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 your fabulous Los Angeles Clippers, my friend, at 37 and a half. They're one of the most perplexing teams for me when I look at their roster because they even trading away Austin Rivers, they still have 500 guards on their team. 
and right. they still have to alleviate that log jam. Their wings are almost non-existent after Tobias Harris. Uh, and if you're really counting on, you know, some players that were really injured for a long period of time last year, like Patrick Beverly, Danilo Gallinari, et cetera, et cetera, you may be in for a lot because I think both those players, if they're not injured, they're both going to be traded away for assets. And I really think at this point in time, the, the Clippers early on, if they aren't winning, they're going to go, I'm not going to say necessarily into tank mode, but I think they're going to go ahead and reevaluate the team that they have and start playing the young kids more because I think Shea Gilgus Alexander is going to be a really good player in the league. Plus also with Marcin Gortat coming over, your center position is now, I think, below average. So beyond Tobias Harris, you don't really have anything in that front court to be very consistent beyond the 500 guards you currently have. And with all the guards there, how is Lou Williams going to get enough time as your main player and as your main offensive threat outside of Tobias Harris? Is he going to get enough consistent time or is he going to be trade away himself? So I think the Clippers, and I, I wish I could be more positive on that. I will tell you this. I really like their future going forward, especially with all the cap space that they're going to have. But I think they're going to uh, go under this year and get a really nice high draft pick. I think they're going to sell off a lot of assets this year. And I really think that 2019 is going to look really good as a bounce back year for the Clippers. Uh, you're I, I, kind of agreeing with me. I can tell. Okay. This is my thing. I, I have a, a different outlook on them. I, I think with Jerry West, and this is honest, I think they are, he has that Laker mindset where it's not about building what from what you have. It's about acquiring what's out there. I think they have definitely have an eye on Kawhi in that situation. I think that's something that they really, really um, are going to try hard for and, and maybe some other players. They're going to have a lot of cap space, like you said. I would love for them to, to move Gallinari. I don't think they will. I don't think they can because he's still got forty million left on his deal. But Beverly is, I think, in his final year. Uh, could be. I, to me, I just don't think he his cap hit is, is significant enough for them to necessarily feel like they need to move him. And I think, but the playing time of the rookies might necessitate that. True, and my, Avery Bradley as well. My opinion about the Gilders Alexander draft pick. I think they made that draft pick, which um, I believe they didn't originally draft and they traded for him after drafting uh, one of the, not Porter. One, one, of, the one of the bridges guys. Yeah. One of the bridges. And um, this was a guy who reportedly Toronto was very interested in, in Gilders Alexander. To me, that move is made in mind to possibly, offer him if if things do not go well in Toronto or they don't feel like he's going to resign to make that move. And if that's the case, if they're if that's their mindset, I don't think they move off Avery Bradley or Patrick Beverly because what that provides them, if they are able to get somebody like Kawhi or even a Jimmy Butler, is <clears throat> what they can do defensively on the perimeter with a Patrick Beverly he, who's an elite defender as, as well as Avery Bradley. Tobias Harris, I've heard, has been in some trade talks, like, you know, for Jimmy Butler. So he might be a guy they're willing to move off of simply because they can move off of him. 
Lou Williams, I think I, I felt the re-signing of Lou Williams last year was so that he'd be available under contract to trade away. If everything goes awry, then I do think I think they move to a point where the young guys get more playing time. And then, but they still will be able to get a tremendous amount of assets if you move, uh, if you move, like I said, Bradley, if you move Beverly, if you move Tobias Harris, you know, if you move those players, you're going to get a lot back and look very good come next year. So let's, let's put a silver lining on this. I think if it does go awry very quickly for the Clippers, they could get some, by the end of that, of the season, they could have a lot of future assets that would make them look very good. If not, they might have, like you said, a possibility to get in a trade, Jimmy Butler, that might them make them a playoff team. I, I agree. My only thing about the trading of a Patrick Beverly or Avery Bradley, if you're going to get in free agency instead of being able to trade um, and try to use your, your cap space to bring somebody in, if you trade off those assets, what is that looking like to – free agent players who want to come in and if you're looking for free agent stars if they look at your team and they see nothing but rookies and young players how does that make them want to come to your team so that's that's my thing about them trading away those as i can see them trading away a gallinari if they could or lou williams or even a tobias harris but to not have a foundation of what you're going to build around or you're going to insert them into i think kind of under undermines uh, your ability to attract those free agents. Fair enough, fair enough. I have them slightly under, like I said, I think around 35, 34 wins. Although if it does go awry, I think it could go well under that. You think they're going to go ahead and be a, a be an over on that. And I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation, especially, like you said, with Jerry West, the mastermind that he is, especially coming from the Lakers and the Warriors and his experience with both those teams. So, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Either which way, I think your future in Clipperland is really high, and I think there's a really a lot of good things to look forward to, especially with all that beautiful cap space you've got sitting there in the summer of 2019. So yeah, I, I have them at 40. Um, 40. They were all able to win 42 last year with the slew of injuries with the trades. So if they won 40 games, I, I, I think I think Doc Rivers last year did to me, his best job with this team since he's been hired. And uh, if he can coach to that level next year or this year coming up, I, th- I think they can win 40 games. Up next, we have Mark Cuban's favorite team, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. They're ahead right now at an even 36 games on a win total that is predicted by currently the Westgate, as far as the Westgate Hotel out of Las Vegas. Your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks? I think a lot rides on the future of Luka Doncic and also Dennis Smith Jr. We all know that Dirk Nowitzki is Dirk Davinsky. He's already done. He's a great player, Hall of Famer, first ballot, not a problem, one of the best, if not the best, foreign player to ever play in the NBA. But you see him hobbling up back and forth, and to me it just looks very sad. He just looks so much – he looks like he's so uncomfortable. He looks like in so much pain as he's going up in the court. And you know what I'm talking about because it just it, – you know, it's such a fast-paced game now, and to see him bringing up the rear, waiting for a three-pointer, and just see him hobbling there because you know he cannot extend his legs what he once could when he was a younger individual, it's just hard to watch. But he can still provide something, at least a little something from the outside for you. But 
Overall, I think you're riding a lot on Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. to get you to that point because Harrison Barnes, Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, that that actual lineup does not scare me in the least, especially with DeAndre Jordan now getting up there in years. Your thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks? I have them as an under. I think they're going to be around 32, maybe 30 wins. Your thoughts on them? Do you think they can actually reach the level of 36 wins? Do you think they can actually even go higher and have some type of hope that they can make the NBA playoffs this year? Yeah, I, I think it depends on Luka Doncic. Is is he that player that everybody, you know, all of the analysts said he was? Is he that great of a player? In but his rookie that's so game? much pressure to put on a rookie. Oh, absolutely. But the way they talked about it as if he should have been the no-brainer number one pick. He's a future all-star. Like there's there's his game is just so translatable to the NBA. I'm just going off of what I've heard as far as uh, his his analysis as a player. If he's that, then you know, they can maybe push for 40 wins. But if he is not, if he's a rookie, and and the way they've talked about him as if he's not going to play like a rookie, but if he is a rookie, then yeah, I see in the realm of 32 wins, but you know, then I think Dennis Smith will be that much better for a year. I think Deandre provides them something that they haven't had, which is supreme athleticism um, as far as running up and down the floor. So if that's, if that's a route they want to go with Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith, even Harrison Barnes getting up and down the floor, I think that'll make them a better team is, is dirt coming off the bench now, even with, you know, how you say about Dirk, I feel the same about Wesley Matthews, who's never been a, a very athletic guy, but even he looks slow. That, Achille, that Achilles uh, injury is, again, an Achilles. So, yeah. that, and that bodes, that does not bode well for DeMarcus Cousins of the Warriors and, you know, and his ability to come back to a full all star level. But that's a well, need I digress on that. I think he's, he's the difference. I don't, I don't think he's ever been a supremely athletic guy he's big he's he's got you know certain amount of quickness but not anything explosive he's not a high leaper he's not a speed guy so i i think the strength coming back um in his legs will will not deter his game the way it would somebody else who plays who's perimeter based he's gonna get a lot of spot up jump shots or you know all he'll post up right in front of the rim get quick catches i think it'll affect his game less than it would another player. But with Dallas, I, it's a flip of the coin. I, I still think they're a player away from being a, a playoff team. So I would go – I would push 36 wins. I think that's right where they where they are, 30, 36 wins. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. Once again, it is Anthony Barbarin, our man in the know when it comes to the NBA. If you have any questions for me or him, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Inside Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. 
Well, we're down to our final 10, my friend. I know we've gone through 20 already. I'll tell you what, I appreciate you just giving us this insight and depth. Uh, the analysis has just been truly tremendous. Let's see if you can do it a little bit longer, my friend. Let's see if you can hold out because uh, this is really where the fun begins and we're picking the teams that a lot of individuals, especially in Las Vegas, are picking to be on the lower end of the scale. The Charlotte Hornets, let's not forget about them, my friend. 35 and a half wins that are projected at the Westgate in Las Vegas. Your thoughts on them? I see them as lower. I think Kemba Walker is going to be traded at some point in time. I feel sorry for the guy because it's just been him against the world now for at least three or four years. It has just truly been sad how they built that team. I don't know what Michael Jordan has been thinking because he's certainly not been doing a good enough job running the team so far. Campbell Walker, I think at some point in time this year has to be traded. He's going to be the biggest target or one of the biggest targets out there. I see them right now going into full tank mode and going below the 35 and a half win marker. Where's the talent? I can't find any outside of Campbell Walker. Exactly. Uh, to me, that team, they're at 35? 35 and a half. 35 and a half. I don't see where. I, I think they vie for the number one pick in the draft. I think they'll move on from Kimba. I think that's what the Tony Parker thing was about. You have a slew of draft disappointments. Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Marvin Williams. I, I don't see where, where's the talent on that team. Monk has not played very well so far in his early career. Right. And so I don't see, I just don't. I, th I think they trade Kimba Walker to get a first round pick. I think uh, they vie for the, even with him, I think they vie for a number one pick. I, I think they're one of the, the, the weaker teams in the league. If they can pry a first round pick from Phoenix, that would be something that would be very interesting because Phoenix definitely needs a point guard and Kemba could be that combination. Either that or he could go to the New York Knicks, but the New York Knicks with all that cap space that they have coming to him because they jettisoned, yeah, uh, they jettisoned Noah just the other day. I think at this point in time, it will come down to maybe an, a contending team of some type getting a key injury that's going to necessitate them giving up a later first-round pick for Kemba Walker because I don't think Phoenix or New York is going to get off their early first-round picks for someone like Kemba, who's a very good player, but not someone that's going to push you over the top in either the Eastern or Western Conference. I think once he is traded, though, that's going to mean dark times for those in Charlotte. And Michael Jordan, um, he's probably not going to be on the in the in the in the stands visible for the latter half of the season because it's going to be very ugly in Charlotte. I think if they do trade Kemba Walker, and I see them under the 30, 35 and a half win total as well. Coming up right after them at thirty three and a half is the Memphis Grizzlies, and we've never talked about them before here in the program. So let's uh, go ahead and discuss them now. We've got the combo, tried and true combo of Mike Conley and Marcus Saul. Could they regain the form and could they be healthy enough to last for a whole year and put them back into a playoff race scenario? They're listed right now at 33 and a half wins. I think with them and also as well, Jaron Jackson Jr., who really looks like a talented rookie, I see pretty good things for them. Also, was there a Parson signing? Is, is he actually on the floor? 
my goodness, if that's the case, you never know. They might win more games than 33 and a half. So I'm predicting an over for them. Not quite playoff land, but I do think a 38 to 39, 38 to 40 win season is not out of the realm of possibility. Jaron Jackson has looked good. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I've waited for a while for them to come down. <laughs> and I think that Mike Conley injury is what caused it. Is he going to come back? Is he going to be the same Mike Conley we've seen? Is he going to be worth the money that they paid him? I, I don't know. I, I see them in the 30, 33 wins. Uh, I, I just don't see the talent on that team. I saw him toy with Trey Young the other day in an exhibition game, and it was almost laughable that the skill level that he had attained by his experience over what Trey Young was doing. It was funny because he was just running around Trey Young, and Trey Young was just looking so confused half the time. But that's a rookie thing as right. opposed to a talent thing. But I think at this point in time, if they remain healthy, I think it's a, a, going to be a done deal above the 33 and a half. Are you over or under on that? I'll go slightly over at 35 wins. Okay, fair enough. Take that for data <laughs> right there for you. Up next, we have on the on our list right here, we've got more great things to come because the underrated, undervalued, underappreciated, and almost completely ignored Brooklyn Nets are next at 32 wins. I think this is a very intriguing team because it can go really either which way. I look for them to go up above the 32 win total because I think, you know why? Because their coach is very unheralded. Kenny Atkinson gets the most out of players. He got the most out of them last year with a talent roster. I think, I I think, I don't know. I think some high schools might've been better than them last year, but he pushed them to best that they can be. I think they've really got a winner in there as far as Kenny Atkinson is concerned. And I see them going above 32 wins. Not much higher, mind you, but a 34-35 win season for me would not be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm about 35 wins with them. It, do you know. think the comeback of D'Angelo Russell is in order? I mean, yeah, I, I think he'll he'll help that team. I mean, he missed some games last year. I think he if he's if he's healthy, uh, could really help them. Uh, they brought in Napier. They still got Damari Carroll. Is he going to get any anywhere close to where he was thought to be? Can Allen Crabb play a little bit better? I think anybody can, any one of them can play a little better. I think they got Kenneth Reed. Can some of these players, you know, help push them over a few more games? Yeah, I think so. But I think they won 28 games last year. 33, 34 wins is probably where, where Brooklyn will end up. I think they will play their hearts out either which way because Kenny Atkinson gets the best out of players. And whether they win 25 or they win 35, I think you're going to get the maximum amount of what that talent roster can give you. And I think that's the most you can ask for when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that's really something that bodes well for the future, that if you get talent around them and they're finally moving off their all those bad trades that they did previously, they're starting to have their own picks again they're starting to get some free cap space things going forward could look a lot better for brooklyn and they could get a lot better faster than the new york knicks that's all i'm going to say it could i didn't say it will i said it could get better faster for the than the new york knicks with everything that's going on in brooklyn next we have 
Wow. What a drop. The Cleveland Cavaliers, my friend, 31 and a half. No LeBron means no fun in Cleveland. I see them as an under at this point in time because Kevin Love expecting him to be the cornerstone and the key to your offense at this point in time is asking a lot for someone who's been repeatedly injured for serious amounts of time. I see them as an under getting about maybe 25 to 27 wins. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they can go ahead and be competitive without LeBron. But your thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers at 31 and a half. Is it an over or is it an under for you, my friend? It's an under. We've seen what they were without LeBron. We saw what they were with LeBron. We saw what they were without LeBron. We saw what they were with LeBron. And once again, they're going to be without LeBron. Is Colin Sexton, you know, that kind of gritty guard that's going to, you know, push them to another level? You know, they, they got Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love will put up numbers. I don't think he'll put up his Minnesota numbers, but I think he'll put up numbers, 20 points a game, you know, 10 rebounds, if he can stay healthy. You know, some of these other players, I, I don't see them doing much. When Rodney Hood is think- counted on to be your second point, uh, second leading scorer on the team, you know you've got issues. Right. It, will Jordan Clarkson be able to play better without LeBron there? Possibly. Don't ask him to do. Don't ask him to do it in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, it could be like like they've said though. It, you know, playing with LeBron is 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 a le- sometimes you know it's deer in the headlights, and you know it's it's too much for some people, and that might have been it. But they don't. To me, they just don't have talent up and down the roster. I think Colin Sexton is 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 a building block. You know, Kevin Love is there, but it, you know they'll continue to put you know blocks in place until they you know, are able to once again build something. But as you've seen over the years, outside of LeBron being there, they haven't been able to build much. So I see them under 31 wins. I don't see the talent on that roster to be able to compete um, at a high level. Next we have outside of the LeBron-less Cavs, we have at a 30-and-a-half win season for the Orlando Magic. I'll tell you what, my friend, I've got two questions for you. How good can that front court be for Orlando? And how bad can that back court be for Orlando? It's like a it's like a two two-way street going there. Your backcourt with Mohamed Bamba, Aaron Gordon, and also Jonathan Isaac. They they if they put their fingers together as far as a reach reach out, they could actually go from one half one side of the court to the other by themselves. They've got such long reaches for all of them and could be a very great defensive force if they decide to commit to it. On the other hand, though, their backcourt, who's going to play point guard? DJ Augustine? If that's your choice for a starting point guard, he's a great backup player and a great bench player, but a starting if he's your starting point guard, things are really not looking good. As far as a shooting guard is concerned, the same thing goes for it as well. It's just a lot of holes in there. I see it right now. The win total over under is at 30 and a half. I'm going to go slightly over and go 32 wins for them, but I'm not really confident on that one as well. I am under. I think they're right up there with Charlotte vying for the top pick in the draft. I just, I like Aaron Gordon. I do. Um, I even like Jonathan Simmons. You know, they got Bomba. Is he going to be good? Um, Same thing with Jonathan Isaac, but this is a wing perimeter league now. 
So who is your who is your ball handler that can make plays for himself and his teammates? Does Jonathan Simmons become your new shooting guard? Possibly. I, I mean, I think that's kind of the way it goes. Maybe they like Evan Fournier. I like Terrence Ross. I think he's wildly inconsistent. Uh, if he's healthy, though, I think he's a shooter. He he can score. But like you said, I, I don't think any of it is elite talent. I don't even think any of it is a, um, above average talent um, across that board outside of Aaron Gordon. So, yeah, I, I don't see them winning 30, 30 games. I, I think they'll be under. I just don't think they have the talent on that roster. Like I said, it wasn't a very confident pick I have, but I'm going to give them the slight edge over because I think at the end of this year, their defense hopefully will align itself. And if Bamba can become that almost not Rudy Gobert-ish and not at that level yet, but if he can go play anywhere near a level of Rudy Gobert, I think they can go ahead and squeak out 30, 31 wins and just get them barely over the hump in the Eastern Conference. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Chicago Bulls are next, my friend, at 30. This one is also very perplexing because they've got Jabari Parker, they got Zach Levine back, re-signed him. Their team is very perplexing because they've got all this talent that I think, you know, at other teams would really work out well. But as a unit together, collectively, outside of Laurie Markkinen, it's kind of iffy at best. And Jabari Parker wants nothing to do with defense. So right now I'm going to go under 30 wins for them, but just barely. I think like 28 or 29 wins. They won 27 last year. I'm going to go over. I think – I don't think they vibe for a playoff spot. I really like Jabari Parker. I think, you know, uh, that injuries have really sapped his first few years. But if he can come back, you know, fully healthy to what his capability is, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, um, even if they aren't good defensively, Offensively, if they can push and and you know fo- focus on that end of the court, I think yeah, they can be something. I still like Bobby Portis, Wendell Carter. I like, but I think he's more of a, a, a college guy than an NBA guy. I don't think he transitions in the NBA to to some players are good in college and excel in the NBA. Some are good, excel in college and or you know middling in the NBA. I think he's dead center. I don't see him being a huge player in the league, um, but I think he can help them. But I, I, I would go 33, 34 wins for Chicago. I like their backcourt. I think that, you know, Levine will be healthy for a full season. Parker, hopefully will be healthy for a full season. Marketing, you know, has talent. Chris Dunn has talent. So I think there's potential there. Well, let's hope it all plans out, but it didn't start off on a great note when your best player, in my opinion, Laurie Markkinen, went down with an injury. So he'll be out for about six to eight weeks. Hopefully he'll come back sooner than that, and maybe they can get above that win total like you're hoping for. 
The next team on the list is the Phoenix Suns at 29 wins. They're a little bit perplexing as well because outside of the gaping hole at point guard, they seem to have some promise. Devin Booker is going to take every shot and try to make every shot he can, all 50 to 100 that he's going to get during a game. And yes, I'm kidding when I say that, but he is going to get his share of the shots. DeAndre Aiden has looked great in the preseason. They're really looking strong at those two positions. They've got Trevor Reza and Ryan Anderson, the ex-Houstoners. I have no idea why they fell in love with those two, but okay, that's fine. You can go ahead, put them in your starting lineup. They have some bits and pieces that are promising, but overall, is it enough to go ahead and get them over the 29-win hump? I'm going to probably say no at this point, and I'm going to probably choose them an under, but it's going to be really close for me because if Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton stay healthy, I really think they can do some good things in the Western Conference two, three, four years down the line, but I don't think it starts now. I think there's going to be a beginning process there in Phoenix, and it's going to be a little bit of hard times there initially until they can get a point guard in place. Yeah, I think that's the thing they're missing. I think you'll see them most likely make a move for a point guard, maybe not a great point guard or top-level point guard. Like you said, I, I would love to see the move for Kimba Walker. That team, I think with the Trevor Reason Ryan Anderson move, I actually like the Ryan Anderson move because I think what it does is it just spreads the court for DeAndre Ayton, which puts him on the block by himself. Um, so when you throw it, there's less for him to have to deal with um, in his rookie season. He'll be able to get one-on-ones, which I think will help. They got one of the better scorers in the league in Devin Booker um, who can go off at any moment. He puts up a lot of shots. He puts up a lot of points. Um, they need a point guard, and uh, they have talent, young talent around, you know, across that roster. Point guard is what they really are, what they're really missing right now. Can Dragon Bender get a little bit better? They drafted Michael Bridges. You know, how much impact – you know, guys like Trevor Rees and Tyson Chandler have on the locker room. So I, I think I'll go over at 30 wins. I think they can be explosive offensively. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. I'll, I'll give them, you know, over at, at 30 wins. The next team we have on the list is the New York Knickerbockers at 27 and a half wins. They're pining for the future, my friend. They're also going to have Kristaps Porzingis. They're leading scorer and best player on the team out until at least the new year with a knee injury. Your thoughts on the Knickerbockers. They did, like I said, clear some cap space for the future by getting rid of Noah. Although that's going to stay at least year over year, they're going to space it out. So it's going to hurt them a little bit, but they wanted more cap space for the front end going forward to try and see if they can lure maybe a Durant, maybe a Kyrie Irving, what have you. Your thoughts on them, Kevin Knox, much beloved player during the summer league as is, is, you know, one of the favorites to be possibly the rookie of the year. I see this as a hard season for the New York Knicks. I see them going ahead into full tank mode and I don't see them winning 27 and a half wins unless Christoph Porzingis comes back sooner rather than later. Yeah. I, I think they have some talent. I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I think they're missing in some other spots. I like Tim Hardaway. I like Ennis Cantor. Trey Burke will get a shot. I'm very interested to see Mario Hazanja play on a team that's going to let him play. I was high on him in the draft. 
thought he's a guy who has athleticism, can run the floor. He has some talent. So I'd be interested to see him as not that it's much better, but out of the black hole that, that is Orlando. And um, I'm interested to see Kevin Knox play. So I think I don't have them winning a lot of games. I still think, I mean, 28 games is what I see from New York, but I think they're an interesting team. If Chris Stops can come back early, then maybe they can push for 30, 32 wins. But if he's going to miss a significant amount of time, I don't see them winning a lot. I, and honestly, wouldn't be surprised if they decided to move off of him. I heard that they weren't picking up his uh, rookie option or, you know, his rookie extension. He's been hurt through through his first few years there. So if they find or figure out that they want to move in a different direction, if Kevin Knox looks like he can be a cornerstone player for them, maybe they do move off of him to get a, to, to get more draft picks. But I, I see about 27, 28 wins for the Knicks. Well, is that going to be an over and under? Because it's 27 and a half. <laughs> I'll go over at 28. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's why Westgate is so good at picking these games, I guess. So got it right there, right there on you. So last two teams, my friend, the Sacramento Kings, which are right now at the Westgate predicted to do 26. A little bit under what Vlade Divac, general manager of the Sacramento Kings, picked on his whiteboard that was showing on a picture on social media showing that they were projected to do 29 wins. Okay, that's great that you just have all your plans out there for everyone to see. But then again, that's just a sign of the whole team as a whole. And it hurts me to say that because I loved Vlade so much when he was a Laker. But I got to call a spade a spade. You got it, my friend. Just like I said, like like the whiteboard's behind you or right there. It's like, okay, I say, oh, does that, what does that say? Sacramento Kings, 29 wins. Oh, there you go, my friend. There you go. Too funny, too funny, because I just can't believe that organization still does the things it does. But your thoughts right. on the Sacramento Kings, a lot of young talent. Let's give them let's give them props for at least getting that. Is it is it elite enough to get them beyond the 26 win plateau? Because you've got De'Aaron Fox, you've got Marvin Bagley the third, you've got Willie Colley Stein, you've got Harry Giles now that's now healthy and coming back. To me, I don't think it's quite enough. I'm I'm sorry to say I think the future looks good if they can get a cornerstone piece for it. But right now, 26 wins to me is asking a little bit too much, especially in a loaded Western Conference. I think I see 22 to 24 wins for the Sacramento Kings. I have them higher, man. I I think they have talent up and down that roster. To me, it's not more um, of a talent question. It's a a front office question. It's It's a management question. It's a coaching question. Do you realize that Zach Randolph should not be starting? Do you realize that Marvin Bagley is your guy? Harry Giles should be coming off the bench. Are you going to play Buddy Hill more than 17 minutes a game and then get mad because he's not scoring the way he should be? You know, those kind of things. Are, are, are the Scalabissi are going to get time? Like, who's are you going to keep Costa Kufus off the court? Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to play your young guys and let them go? Or are you going to hinder them with veterans who do not help your team? And who should be traded to get more assets? Right. So you have a point guard. What are they going to do with Willie Cauley-Stein? I've heard trade rumors about him. You have De'Aaron Fox. I think you have legitimate pieces at most of the positions on your court. I think, to me, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hill, Marvin Bagley are all legitimate pieces to go, okay, this is who we're going with. 
even Willie Cauley Stein, if that's who you want to keep, if you want to try to start um, Scala BC Air, who who are you going to go with? I think if you can just have some camaraderie and, and some solidarity with your plan and move forward with it, I think they can win 32, 33 games just based off talent and, and, and youth and athleticism getting up and down the court. Yeah, the, I think the Western Conference is better, but you still get to play Eastern Conference teams. Now, I don't think the, the, the difference in Eastern and Western Conference at the top at the is is huge, but the lower end is there's there aren't great teams up and down the bottom ends of those rosters. I mean those uh, conferences, so they can get wins. It's it's about beating the teams you're supposed to beat, and how many can you snatch from teams that you weren't supposed to beat. So I think they can get. I think they just have a lot of tough from from the teams that we've talked about that are on the lower end. I think they have more talent than probably all of those teams out right there with, with, with Phoenix, um, except for the fact that Phoenix doesn't have a point guard, you know, Marvin Bagley was the second pick in the draft, Buddy Hill was, you know, a lottery pick. Darren Fox was a top five pick. So these guys, at some point, they're going to have to become players. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to show something, um, not, not, you know, all-star level or anything like that, but in his second year, Marvin Bagley, I think, will be a legitimate rookie of the year candidate. They have length. They have athleticism. So I, I think that Sacramento, the arrow is pointing up. So I, I would give them about 31, 33. I'm going to go with 33 wins for Sacramento. Well, like you said, they do have a lot of length, a lot of athleticism. They've got a lot of 6'10", 6'11 players that are fast, athletic, and can do a lot of things. But is it too many of the same player, and do they need to build other talent around those players or maybe mix in or trade away maybe one or two of those assets along with a Zebo and a Costa Kufas to get in a better mix of players that might fit in better the team? Because you can only have so many of the same type of dimension player that are fighting for those same amount of minutes. I see what you're getting at. And do you have enough confidence in the front office and also the coaching staff to get the max amount of wins. I personally don't, but I could be proven wrong. And I hopefully I will be because like you said, based on promise and based on what's on paper, they should be about 30 to 32 wins. I just don't see it because of the fact that I think so much of that organization holds them back from any positivity each and every year. So even yeah, from I, the owner, even from the owner who right. wanted to go ahead and have that cherry picking uh, uh, offense where there was one player playing on the other end the whole time. So I, I remember when he came out with that comment, I was just like scratching my head. <laughs> yeah, I just think they won 27 games last year. I think Marvin Bagley will make them that much better. And I, I, I think they'll be able to get, you know, another few wins based off experience. You know, 33 wins, that's a six win difference. I think I think that's um, a viable uh, attainable goal for them. All right, my friend. Last one. Last team that we're down to, and that is the Atlanta Hawks. Your Atlanta Hawks, my Atlanta Hawks, they're now projected for a, a paltry 23 wins. Trey Young, the leading scorer and assist guy in the NCAA, although the, he has been ravaged this whole summer. I think he's been a little bit unfairly picked on, but there's been times where he is his game has really looked ugly. He's looked out of position. His size, uh, a lot of experience issues. I've told you he was really outclassed by Mike Conley the other day. 
your thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks 23 wins. I don't think 23 wins is going to be able to make it for them. I see them going into the tank machine and really going deep into the tank. And I see about maybe 17 to 18 wins at the most for them, especially if they're they're really into tank mode and really just going ahead and just try and just ride it on out, which is Trey Young and whatever youth that they have there. Your thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks. Is 23 wins enough or is 23 wins a little bit too much? I think it's too much. They don't have talent. Um, they don't have enough talent on that roster. Um, I don't think their desire is to – win that many games. Uh, Trey Young is 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 he's gonna have an up and down rookie year. He's not a big guy. I think he's smaller than his you know than his statistics suggest. He's an offensive guy as far as his, his ability to be quick and, and and decisive anything like that is all offensive. I think he's gonna be defensively deficient for most of his career, but he's, he's, he can shoot and he can score and that's going to create some excitement. So I think that's what they got him for, but they're, they're going to be looking for the first pick in the draft and top three picks for the next probably two to three seasons. I think it's going to be a hard time in Atlanta. It won't be hot Atlanta for a little while. It's going to be kind of like cold, like uh drainy rizzles drizzle uh atlanta for for a little while and i agree with you on that i mean it's going to take two three years to turn it all around it's just so sad because not too long ago they were a 60 win team it's just falling apart from there so all right my friend that does it for the nba teams on our list one last thing before we head on out my friend a lot of people in this league they look towards singular star players to make the big impression with the fans out there None more so than the MVP each and every year that everybody looks upon. Who is it going to be this year's James Harden, in your opinion? A lot of candidates out there. There's no one really hurt outside of a fringe player like Porzingis, like we were talking about, that it could really just any type of small impact on it. There's Everybody seems to be at a healthy point right now. You know, with Durant, Curry, and Golden State, you've got Harden trying to see if he can win back-to-back. MVPs in Houston. You've got LeBron in LA. You've got Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. You've got Davis in New Orleans. You've got so many other great choices that are out there. Your thoughts on the MVP? Who do you think is going to win it and why? My top three for this year, I think it'll be Giannis, Antetokounmpo. I think Anthony Davis will be there, and I think LeBron will be there. And I think LeBron wins it. I, I think. Dale, I should call you the mind reader, I'm telling you, because this is like last year when you were reading my mind last year as well. Yeah, I, I think when you see what he does for that team, like I said, I think they'll win 52, 53 games from 35. I think they'll finally go, we got to start giving it for impact on the team and not simply the numbers, and I'm not – begrudging, um, you know, Russell Westbrook, who won a couple years ago, or James Harden. One thing about it is the MVP is is voted on by writers and journalists. So it's not always to the best player. A lot of times they go, what is the story that we, you know, that this encapsulating story that we want to talk about, that we want to write about, that we want to praise, and those guys get 
a lot of times votes for MVPs or you take away a vote for from MVP because you're tired of talking about this guy or that, you know, for them that story is dead. But him going from Cleveland to L.A. and taking that team from a 35-win team to what I think will be 53, 52 wins, he'll still put up LeBron-like numbers and he'll bring the Lakers back to a prominent level in the NBA from where they've been middling for the last few years to me is a story that they'll love and, and he'll deserve it on the court as well, as much as he'd ever have. So I think LeBron will end up winning the MVP this year and they'll, he'll get the Lakers to probably the conference semifinals and that'll be enough to get him the MVP. Wow. And you folks, you have no idea how hard it was for Anthony Barman to come out and say that again, gritting through his teeth, the entire entire way and i don't blame him a bit as a lifelong clippers fan that he is so i I just you know it warms my heart as a lakers fan i'm gonna put him right now at number two if he does go above 50 wins you can guarantee it that he will win the mvp but i picked them around 48 so that being the case which will put them about fifth in the western conference if he's in the top four i think he gets it I think he goes above 50 games. I think he gets it. But if he stays at the level that I predicted him at, I'm going to pick him number two. I'm going to pick number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think at that point in time, if they get themselves above 50 wins in a not so strong, not a strong Eastern Conference, I think they will have a great season there in Milwaukee. I think a lot of good things going on there in Milwaukee. And I'll tell you what, I think he's going to be the root of it. I think he's going to be the the primary motivating factor in it. And I'll tell you what, I think that's going to be the key for him getting the MVP is that they will be, well, I'll tell you what, if, if Milwaukee and the Lakers, whichever team gets the higher amount of wins, is going to get their player the MVP vote. I think that's going to what's going to do it. If it is New Orleans that gets above both those teams, then you're going to have to give it to Anthony Davis because he will have to have a monster. And I repeat, a monster year, maybe even a 30-point-plus year, also 30 points, maybe 15 rebounds closing on it into it, a two block, at least two blocks a game type of season. If he gets above 50 wins, look out. He'll get the MVP. But at this point, I think a slight advantage to me goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo, that team, I think, of the three, I think that team is the most likely to get over 50 wins and garner that individual, the MVP this year. Any last thoughts, my friend, on the way out? Because it's been a great talking to you, as always, in regards to the NBA. No, that's it for me, man. I, I really enjoyed talking about the league. I can't wait for it to start on Wednesday to sit down and watch some of these teams, man, play the best sport in the world. So, no, I'm excited. And if you have any questions, again, for Anthony Barberin or myself on the NBA, please feel free to send us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Inside Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us a direct message through there. And we love to talk NBA. As you just listened just now, you listened to Anthony Barber and I talk for a long time in regards to it. I hope you got a chance to enjoy it and sit down. And you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on exactly where you think each team will end up or your favorite team in the NBA on how they'll end up in the 2018-2019 NBA season. My friend, it's been great talking to you. 
I'm going to get you back on the show again real soon so we can talk some more hoops and also some college football as well because it's getting closer and closer to the the playoff times and and some interest in regarding the national championship. So I got to get you back on the air for that and always talking about the round ball. College basketball is around the corner and I was seeing some odds already and well, you know, it looks like the old familiars are standing by as the top favorites again. So that could be just like picking Golden State all over again when it comes to college basketball is concerned. But that is for another day and another show, my friend. But for now, I truly appreciate you being part of the show, as always, right here on Inside Sports Game Source and right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs>